To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this 21st Sunday after Pentecost is the gospel for today. You heard it read from Mark chapter 10 before I recall just these words. Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who not only died for us, but also who lived a perfect life for us and then gave us his perfection so that we might be holy and guaranteed of eternal life, my beloved. If you look around here in beautiful Savior Lutheran Church, in fact, all of our Lutheran churches in the Missouri Synod, you won't find any confessional booths. You know what confessional booths are, don't you, in the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church? Sometimes along the side of the church, they will have these little booths. You can open the door, go in there, and then next to you, uh, and there's a screen between the, the next room, sits the priest. And then you confess your sins, and then the priest will say, uh, make up for those sins by saying 10 Hail Marys. I don't know why certain things stick in your brain, little things that make no difference, but I was thinking as I was writing these words that uh, years back I was watching a TV uh, talk show, and uh, the interview was interviewing a Roman Catholic priest, and he had been 25 years in the priesthood, and uh, he said, you know, it's kind of interesting, in the 25 years that I listened to confessions in the confessional booth, I hear, heard people confess all sorts of things, adultery, profanity, theft, disobedience, all sorts of stuff. One thing they never confessed to me was the sin of covetousness. And the only reason I think they never confessed it, I don't know if they knew what it was or is, and maybe they never thought that they were guilty of it. This morning we want to take a look at covetousness. We do it by way of this history of Jesus, sometimes entitled the story of the rich young ruler. Jesus was walking on the road, and this was going to be his last trip to Jerusalem. He was going there to die. And a man came running up to him, and he fell down in front of him, knelt. Uh, we know that he was a religious man because he asked a religious question. Must have been upstanding in the community, and he was extremely wealthy. And he was serious, seriously concerned about how you get everlasting life. Now, you see from this account, too, that this was a big case of mistaken identity. He didn't recognize that the one that was standing above him as he was kneeling was the holy, innocent Son of God. He just recognized this man called Jesus as a teacher of morality. Teach how to lead a, a better life and then hope for the best. And his question to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You've uh, heard me say several times that 
You take a look at all the religions in the world, go on the internet, take a look at them all. They boil down to only two religions in the world. Man-made religion and God's truth. Man-made religion is do. God's truth is done. Man-made religion is you better do something and then hope that God might smile down upon you. The truth is, Jesus died for us on the cross, making up for all of our sins, all of our disobediences, took them all away, declared us to be holy, guaranteed everlasting life. He earned it all. And that changes everything because now we don't serve a God out of duress. We serve our gracious God out of love. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus came back with a question. He says, well, you know the commandments, don't you? And he goes down the list, commandments four through eight. Kind of interesting. Love your father and your mother. Don't commit a murder. Uh, murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. And as the young man was listening to Jesus, it was almost like he was formulating in his mind an inventory checklist. As Jesus was, oh, yeah, I did that. No, I didn't. I wouldn't do that. No, yeah, I did that. I did, in fact, I did them all. Jesus, I've been sort of perfect ever since I was a kid. And then Jesus hit him where it hurt, right in the heart. In a few words, Jesus focused on the ninth and tenth commandment. You know what they are. Covetousness. And the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. Don't commit idolatry. One thing's missing, young man. Go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. Jesus was telling him, I want you to, you to replace your love for wealth with a love for me. Take your wealth out of first place and replace it with me. It's nice to look at the uh, original words. It says the man was sort of sunny and now he became cloudy. It says his face fell. He came to Jesus sort of like this, all excited. And then Jesus spoke these words sort of like that. He couldn't do it. St. Paul says, put to death covetousness, which is idolatry. Kind of interesting words from St. Paul. He recognized that the Ten Commandments are not linear. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten. They're circular. They start at one, they go all the way around, they come all back to one. That's why nine and ten commandments, covetousness, you go right back to one. You're talking about the sin of idolatry. Love the Lord your God and serve him only. Covetousness is a form of idolatry. So finally we get to the point. Let's define what covetousness is. Very basic definition for covetousness is selfishness. A good definition for covetousness is being discontent with what you have. Covetousness is that the number one in life pursuit, uh, number one priority in life is the pursuit of prosperity, the perpetuation of financial security, thinking more about what you don't have than what you do have. Or, to put it better, 
not content either with what you do have and not content with what you don't have. It has to do all with wealth or the lack of it. Do you have wealth? Do you have anything of value? I think when it comes to wealth, everything is really relative, isn't it? it? I mean, none of you, I can guarantee you, and me either, none of you sitting out there are as wealthy as Aaron Rodgers. It's all relative. But you are extremely wealthy when it comes to that little kid over in India groveling in the dirt with no clean running water or food. Then you are extremely wealthy because you have a roof and you have heat and you have water and you have clothes and you have food and you have wealth. The question is, how do you view your wealth? Maybe I'll ask it in this way. What amount of money would it take to eliminate all of your worries? What amount of wealth would it take to eliminate all? $25,000? $150,000? A million dollars? $15 million. Win the lottery, $350 million. The answer is no amount of money can eliminate your worries. And all you have to do is talk to some of those people. You see the write-up in the paper every once in a while is people who won the big lottery. They said... It turned out to be one of the worst things that ever happened to me. I had to sell my house. I had to move. I had to change my phone number, my address, because everybody was after me for my money. I remember years back when uh, Brett Favre was uh, first starting his career, becoming a big name. They interviewed his wife one time. They said, what is the worst part of everything uh, experienced with this newfound fame? She said, the money. Everybody in the family argues about money. They all want some of the money. Even the wealthy are never satisfied. Either they don't have enough. What are the, one of those big uh, moguls, I don't know, was an oil mogul or a, a railroad uh, baron? They ask him, how much money do you really want? He always said, just a little more. Wealthy people are either... Uh, aren't satisfied with what they have or they're worried about losing what they have. Did you ever think about it? Covetousness is the most basic of all sins. It was the very first sin committed in the whole world. Eve took a look at the fruit. I'd like to have that. Dissatisfied with what she had. It's the first sin of all children. Just wait till they get a little bit old, old enough until they can talk, right? And then they get together with another kid and they say, it's mine, it's mine, that's mine. And so you have to teach them how to share. Covetousness, unlike commandments 4 through 8, commandments 4 through 8 all, all, all have to do with the voice and with your hands. Covetousness has to do with your heart. Commandments 9 and 10 are all matters of the heart. Selfishness is a matter of the heart. Selfishness is a form of idolatry. That's why the first commandment comes right after the tenth commandment. First Timothy chapter 6. 
A godly life brings huge profits to people who are content with what they have. We didn't bring anything into the world and we can't take anything out of it. As long as we have food and clothes, we should be satisfied. But people who want to get rich keep falling into temptation. They are trapped by many stupid and harmful desires which drown them in destruction and ruin. Certainly the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people who have set their hearts on getting rich have wandered away from the Christian faith and have caused themselves a lot of grief. And by the way, it's not wrong to be rich. I've got family members who are rich. It's how you look at your wealth. If you keep God number one in your life. Because you see, God intended us always to use money and love God. Not love money and use God. And then you say, well, I don't really have enough. And I worry. St. Peter writes in his first letter, Turn all your anxiety over to God because he cares for you. Matthew 6 so I tell you to stop worrying about what you will eat or drink or wear. Isn't life more than food and, and the body more than clothes? Don't ever worry and say, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? Everyone is concerned about these things and your heavenly Father certainly knows that you need them. But first, be concerned about his kingdom and what has his approval and then all these things will be provided for you. So don't ever worry about tomorrow. After all, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But pastor, I still worry about not having enough. The rich man worried too. What if that rich man was probably thinking, what if I give away all my money? What am I going to have to live on? It's hard to trust when you don't have enough. It's hard to trust when you have a lot. Oh God, but it would be easier to trust in you if I just had a little more. Jesus looked at him. And he loved him. And he walked on to Jerusalem to the cross for him. Jesus loves you too. And amidst all of your worries about what you have and what you don't have, he walked to the cross for you. I think of that priest on that show. For 25 years, never heard anybody confess covetousness to him. It's time for us to confess to Jesus today. Jesus, we have sinned. And we need your forgiveness for all of our anxiety and our discontent and our dissatisfaction and our worry. No better words to close with than St. Paul's words, Philippians chapter 4. Always be joyful in the Lord. Let me say it again. Always be joyful. Let everyone know how considerate you are. The Lord is near. 
Never worry about anything, but in every situation, let God know what you need in prayers and requests while giving thanks. Then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. I'm not saying this because I'm in any need. I've learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in. I know how to live in poverty and prosperity. No matter what the situation, I've learned the secret of how to live when I'm full or when I'm hungry, when I have too much or when I have too little. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. My God will richly fill your every need in a glorious way through Christ Jesus. Glory belongs to our God and Father forever. Amen and amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time together, our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. <laughs> 